I have 13 children, so. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know where you put them in that apartment. That's so bad. Oh, God. I could not, no. Um, Couldn't do it. Welcome to Growth, episode number three. All right, so so we were talking before we started recording because we just kind of jumped in, started catching up on everything, and and started just high level talking about like what we wanted to talk about today. <laughs> we're like, wait, we should just record this, um, hence the podcast. So we were talking about how I've been dealing with burnout the past, I would say like often on like three months, and then you were talking about how you've dealt with it previously at at jobs and things of that nature. My last professional role before the one I'm currently in. Uh, I had spent three years there, which for me was a long time. My average to date had been about a year and a half, either through my own volition or otherwise. So three years was a new, you know, it was a new personal best, if you will. It was, you know, I I had felt comfortable there long enough that I, I actually saw some kind of future progressing. Uh, where the where the burnout started sinking in was when the sad reality started washing over everything that future was not going to happen there was there wasn't going to be anything else like it's this is about as good as it's going to get and i think for me anyways personally that's how the burnout starts if there's something new to keep my mind fresh to keep me engaged some some new project some new thing to study some new thing to learn anything of that sort that that staves off a lot of the burnout yeah, and when you say, you know, what you envisioned in that role was not the case, was that you you felt as though it was a dead end as if it was like you've arrived and it was very underwhelming? Like I'm curious cuz I cuz I've dealt with that a few times too where you're like, "Great, this is this huge thing." And then you get it and you're like, "Wow, that's not even remotely close to what I I I guess like fantasized it would be." And so you hit that moment and then you're like, great, what next? Yeah. When I when I first started the job and even a year or two into it, there was still a lot of potential for m- moving on to the next thing, the 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 bigger project, the the next level, whatever that whatever that was, right? And then about six months before I cut it off, things started changing within the company, not for the better, right? And it started becoming obvious that these hopes and dreams, if you will, these these goals, these things that I wanted to aspire to within the company weren't going to be available. Those 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 roads were starting to disappear rather quickly. And if I want to stay at the company, I'm gonna have to stay pretty much exactly where I'm at. I wouldn't say the burnout came on immediately. It it did take a little bit of time to to manifest itself, but I knew that once this is all it was ever going to be, I started feeling less engaged. In what I was yeah. doing, I started getting bored. I think boredom is probably a more accurate term in this case. And sure. once once the boredom sets in, then you just you, you just you stop performing your best. You stop caring about anything. You eventually just stop showing up to work, and that's I mean that's what I did, albeit gracefully and you know more by the book. Like I, I didn't just peace out one day, but <laughs> it became clear to my manager through the tells, you know, in sure. how I was talking about things, how, how Emotional interested in shifts. things. Right. Yeah. He could see, he could see it was coming and he knew it was coming and he wasn't surprised at all when I, when I dropped the news. I mean, he was disappointed that 
he was going to lose me, but he also he he knew it was going to happen one yeah. of these days. And to pile on top of that, I think what really what really put the nail in the coffin above all else was that there wasn't ever going to be any kind of pay raise in my future for what I was going to end up being stuck doing. Yeah. Knowing that they had they had the the wherewithal to tell me, "Oh, you're already being overpaid. Be happy, you know, we haven't cut your salary." That's such a corporate thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the biggest bullshit move and it's it wasn't 100%. surprising. They I had when I started the job, I was living in California, right? Higher cost of living. And yes. I had moved back home to my home state, moved back to the Seattle area, which shocker, they were counting as a lower cost of living area. I don't know how they came up with that number, but <laughs> it's that that gap is ever shrinking. So when I moved, they were they were kind enough to not adjust my salary downward, but they didn't bother to share until it was much too late that you're now going to be stuck in that spot until we okay. decide to reevaluate how we pay people based on the cost of living. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So there was never going to be there wasn't going to be a cost of living raise. There wasn't going to be any kind of performance based raise. I mean, like it was the I hit the ceiling, and. Okay somebody in the management chain took pity on me and made some small one-time bonus payout happen for, you know, I don't know, it was a few thousand dollars, right? It was like, here, here's some, here's some pity money. Don't bring it up again. So much better. I'm like, thanks. So you got paid off. (laughs) They, they basically tried to pay me off, but because it was, because it was filed as a bonus, it got more taxes taken out of it than if they had just given me a pay raise, (laughs) you know, like if they had spread it out, I would have come out ahead because the tax structure would have been different. Like, so, you know, it's just that, that those, those little things, when they all started adding up, I realized this isn't, this isn't going to work. So there's, there's two things that kind of stand out. If I can interrupt for a second. Sure. One, even in, in your choice of words earlier, you said that you were stuck doing, that you would have been stuck doing something, right? Which immediately negative, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of us get to a point where you're like, I'm just stuck doing this. Like you don't want to feel stuck doing anything. You want to be forced to do anything, especially as like a business owner or really just a human, if we can, you know, get to that level. Mm -hmm. Um, And number two, it sounds like it was a lack of fulfillment, right? I think me and you are very similar in the stance of, yeah, like money is awesome. I'm a capitalist 100%, but I would rather make a little bit less money and be fulfilled. And actually enjoy what I do day to day. Because, I mean, I'm, you know, we were talking about watches earlier, but, like, I'm not really that materialistic. Like, I don't want a massive house. Like, I'm totally fine with what I have. And, like, I, I have a very dialed-in lifestyle, I guess I could say. But but I need to enjoy what I'm working on. And the moment that shifts or I feel stuck and put into a box, I really dislike that. So I feel like a lot of people get to a point where – they see this trajectory and it's very exciting. But the moment you potentially realize that actually the trajectory is a bit shorter than you thought it would be and the reality starts to set in and you start to say, well, actually I only have like one or two more steps in front of me. Like what's the point anymore? There's no room for personal growth, right? The moment you're like, great, I thought I was going to work on all these cool things and learn all this stuff and have awesome projects and grow as a person. And then that kind of gets taken out from under you well, what's the point? And I think that's that's a 
big piece of burnout. That's one version of burnout, by the way. There's so many other versions of burnout that we can talk about, but but that's a, I think a very common one. I mean, I don't see why we why we couldn't talk about the other ones. No, hundred percent. Yeah. So let's let's kind of shift gears. So there is the boredom, right? Because of lack of self fulfillment in a given role. Basically, you just get bored. Um, and if you're an intelligent person, well, boredom kind of sucks. <laughs> like it's basically depression. Um, I certainly deal with that myself from time to time. Uh, luckily, you know, running the software company helps with that a lot because I do get fulfillment and I do love what we're working on. But the other version, the one that I deal with more so is I would say almost overwhelm. I'm not sure. How, well, we'll try to categorize this in real time. So I decided like three years ago to go back to school full time on top of everything. I just did something I wanted to do. Uh, it was an opportunity. Uh, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. So I went to go get a finance degree full time because I thought, you know, hey, like I've played business, if you will, here and there and failed. Maybe I'm smart. Maybe I should go into banking or, you know, M&A, IB, you know, whatever. I thought that would be cool. So I went back full time and I'm in my last semester now. And then about two years ago, we actually started the software company and it ramped up relatively fast, which was awesome, but a lot going on. And I get to a point where I get burnt out because spending so much time on classes on a subject that is interesting. Don't get me wrong. Finance is important. It is interesting, but compared to, and relative to what I'm working on with the software company, it's very boring. (laughs) And so I, I too feel somewhat stuck because I did commit to graduating. That's my thing. A lot of people like, Oh, just drop out. I'm like, no, I'm like three classes away from graduating. I'm not dropping out. Um, I'm, I will absolutely have this degree, but it's just when, when you look at your time from an opportunity cost standpoint and I'm sitting in class because I, I really dislike online classes. I cannot stand them. I need to be in person. That's just the way I operate. But sitting in there and knowing there's a potential fire happening with the company and I'm on Slack on my iPad <laughs> trying to like answer questions in Slack and in the class to get participation freaking points because that's still a thing. Um, it's frustrating, man. And you, you get to a point where, I mean, because I was thinking about this the other day, I don't, I haven't really taken or taken a vacation, like a, a formal vacation in probably three, four years. Well, now you can't. And now I can't because coronavirus, <laughs> I can't go anywhere. So, you know, part of that is just, you feel like this never ending treadmill. Now there is an end in sight, which is awesome. But then you get so close to the end that you're like, God, can we just be done? Like, I'm just over it at this point. All I want to do, this is the funny part. I want to graduate so that I can work 20 more hours a week on the business. And that will make me happy. That's all I want to do. That context switch is so difficult. I mean, my co-founder went through it as well because um, when we we first met up, he was actually doing his master's degree at UMass in, in, in computer science studying AI, which was really, really cool. But I mean, there was months when he's like, hey, unless there's like a major bug, we're not going to talk. But like, we're good. I just have to graduate. I'm like, hey, fine. Totally get it. <laughs> it was super weird. We, we like legitimately didn't talk for like two to three months at a time and still ran a company together pretty interesting but it worked so like luckily he gets it too but like man i'm telling you you get to and i I can imagine certain people if we get rid of the class structure and we replace it with like a job and you're just actively trying to leave that job and you're just like man when does it change when does it end 
And it's just, man, you just, I don't know. You get to this place of just almost exhaustion. Like, I don't know. I don't really know how to easily put it into words. But the best thing I can say, it feels like burnout. (laughs) You're just like, I need a break. I need to not look at a computer screen for at least a week. I don't even want to go on vacation to like Paris or Rome. I want to go sit in a cabin in the woods, like by myself for a week with a stack of books and like a fire. Would you say that the burnout comes from more of a lack of finality to all of the things that you're doing? Like in the context of education, right? It's just a never ending stream, almost a stream of consciousness of of knowledge, right? That's just coming at you every quarter that it feels like it's never going to end. Whereas if you're in the workforce, for example, perhaps there's more of a project-based approach to the tasks that you're doing on a regular basis, right? Like even if it's just sending emails, right? If all you do all day is send emails, at least you know there's an end to the list of emails you have to send, right? And that could be just that day. Whereas in college, the the end is quarters to years away, right? It's harder to... It's harder to reconcile that there is an ending because it's so far off in the future, even if it's just a few months or, you know, a few weeks even. I would say less so because oddly enough, when I first went back, because I'm 28 now, so I went back like three years ago. So I was already older, quote unquote, if you will. But it was more exciting. It was more I because I grew up and was, you know, for context, Consider learning disabled, short-term memory deficit, dyslexia, all this stuff that I consider stupid just for my own personal view, um, where basically I was told I was stupid. <laughs> and then started to read because I found business books and found an interest in business. And now I read like it's going out of style. But I realized how smart I was and how, okay, college actually is a real thing I could do. And actually, it's not hard, by the way. Um, but... It, it was it was exciting at the opportunity, and I, I like this barrage of knowledge. I really do. I will craft that for myself if it's not there naturally for me. So if it's not that, I will find something else to fulfill my my need for new knowledge because it's variety. I think I think part of it gets to the fact that I'm not actually going into the finance industry actively like a lot of the other students that I've had classes with the past two years and, and they're like actively going into M&A and like that's their life and they're obsessed with it, which is awesome. But for me, that's not really the route I want to go. And so I'm in a place where it's not useful. Like it's useful, like it's interesting, but I can't, it's not applicable. Let me put it that way. It's not applicable, right? If I go and take a, a backend engineer boot camp right now because I'm not an engineer, it's only going to teach me so much, but it's useful. And it's applicable to what we're doing now, at least to a certain degree. And I think that's the difference. Like if we were going into acquiring a bunch of other companies right now, it would be absolutely applicable because, you know, my finance concentration is in investing specifically M&A style. So, yeah, I can do company valuations, tell you what a company's worth, do, you know, you know, DCF models, like all this really cool stuff. But we're not doing that right now. That's not the focus. That may be two to three years out. And what I really enjoy is is growth, is operations. I actually really enjoy the technical side, which is kind of funny because <laughs> I'm I'm not an engineer, but like we can have technical conversations to a certain degree, and like that stuff's fascinating to me. And it's it's fun building it's fun building a a, a company that's 
as large as ours is and getting like we were talking about previously before we started recording hiring engineers and how that's super new and like a really interesting challenge and it's certainly a challenge to find a really good back-end engineer but that's fun so that that barrage that's never ending is not the problem i think it's when i'm i'm spending my time learning things that are not applicable but also not simply enjoyable. There are things that absolutely I'm going I'm to learn about and never apply it because it's just interesting and that's totally fine. But I guess for me, I need to like make that decision consciously. Like this is for enjoyment's sake. Okay, cool. <laughs> that makes sense. So even if it was something just totally off the wall, like uh, learning the best molecular structure for concrete, if that was something fundamentally that just sounded interesting to you even though you have no plans or really no desire to put that to application you would you would get your fix off of learning it regardless 100 percent, 100 percent. i and that's the like i have this need for knowledge which is kind of cool <laughs> like i have to learn new things every single day but when it's forced and it's not hey i'm learning it for x or y reason that to me is when some boredom comes into play, but a lot of burnout because now it's just, there's too much going on and there's so much that you're, you're attempting to learn some applicable, which is more important, but others that are required to graduate, in which case you just have to deal with it, which when you have, and cause man, when we first started the software company, I was like, it truly, cause I learned so much cause I knew nothing about software, nothing. It just felt like drinking from a fire hose in like the best ways, like just bring it all on. I'm learning so much. This is awesome. But then you're taking on another hose that you just, you have to take tough it. Like, I mean, you can drop but like, what's the point? <laughs> and so you just have to deal with it. And then the way that I am being, you know, type A personality, I also have to get great grades. So I'm not like, Oh, just get C's and like, just get through it. Like, no, I will have a great GPA and we will just move on and have to deal with it. It's fine. Does that add any kind of conflict in your head? If when you're approaching it from a, I'm doing this because it's fun, but I also have this really high bar I've set myself set for myself. Does that, how does that, how do you, how do you reconcile that in your head? Or do you, is it just a, a thing that it's just a headache? <laughs> <laughs> it manifests as a headache. Um, yeah, I mean, certain times, I mean, gosh, there, there's there's points in time where the business, there's just so much going on that it's just, it's going to take away, right? You only have so much capacity. And so you have to pull from one area or the other. And the business is way more important, in my opinion. It's, it's the priority. So I will absolutely take away from classes strategically. But even getting you know, a quote unquote bad grade on an exam messes with me for like two to three days. Even though I know rationally it was the best thing to do because I really needed those extra two hours to work on a problem that we were dealing with for the company, not to go from a C on an exam to a B or an A. Because really that delta doesn't mean much. But the delta for the company is much higher, right? And so I can rationalize it all day long, but the way my mind goes... Why can't I do both? Why can't everything be perfect? Of course. <laughs> of course. And when you find out you haven't slept in three days, the, the harsh reality starts setting in, right? That's it. Yeah. Um, and so it's a balance. It's certainly a balance. And it's something that's, 
it's difficult for me to deal with. Perfect example, this week, things are not crazy. Support's not super high. Um, there's a lot of things we just can't do because the, the virus is going on currently. I don't have classes in person. I have classes async online, which is amazing. But at the same time, I just, I have more time on my hands and I don't know what to do with my life <laughs> to the extent of like, do I actually take time to just relax, self-care, enjoy myself, or do I double down where I can? But what if I can't? This is the weird conversation I have every morning where it's like, okay, well, today's not too crazy. I'm still getting all the things that are on my to-do list done. Do like, am I allowed to relax and enjoy myself? This is a weird thing for, for me. And I'm not, I'm super honest, like really not good with dealing with that kind of stuff because my mind goes, yeah, you relax, you enjoyed yourself a little bit, but you could have been working and you chose not to. Now, now you have to pay the mental consequences and that's not right. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I don't, I, I, I personally don't find myself struggling with that. I think if anything, for me, it's the opposite where if, if I if I have choice, I'm always going to choose the easier of the two, even if it's at my own detriment, right? If if I was in a position where I had a business on one side and college on the other, I would honestly pick whichever one is going to be easiest to accomplish. Even if even if that meant the detriment of the business or the detriment of my grades, right? Like that's that's more of how the the original thought process in my mind works admittedly it, it's not a very long-lived thought because then rationality starts sinking in saying this come on that's no that's dumb stop it but i think to an extent it it, it kind of stems from my ability to procrastinate as well okay so i'll pick the easy thing at first and then this was, this was, I was notorious for doing this when I, when I was going through college, I would, I would wait until the last possible moment and then just go into crunch mode and then just hammer out the whole thing all at once. And I mean, what I think what made it worse is that it worked. So like I was validating my own procrastination because it, it was turning out like I was hoping it would. So I had less reason to not procrastinate the next time. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? No, it just, I get it. it just yeah, kind of got like worse. Classically conditioning yourself for procrastination. <laughs> right. Because it was working. It was more times than not, it worked flawlessly. Right. So I didn't see a whole lot of need to do anything different. And I got into this weird pattern where I wouldn't do anything for weeks at a time. And then just here's everything. Oh, it's great. See, you know, like, did I have to spend all that time on it after all? You know, so then it is this cycle where it's like, okay, doing these other things are easier because now I know I can just do these things at the last minute and then just rinse and repeat every, every quarter. And then four years later, four years of procrastination got me a degree. I don't know how I ended up getting there, but I did. (laughs) See, I'm, I'm the opposite oddly. And I used to be that way. And then I got to a point where I really enjoy buffers, specifically time buffers. I don't like the whole, I'm going to sit down from like eight to five and just work. I I don't like that. I want to go in sprints. But the way I viewed it is, yeah, I have, 
I have a exam that's due Sunday at midnight. It's now as we're recording Thursday. I'm probably going to do it now because I don't like I don't like that pressure. Like I really dislike pressure, oddly enough, which is super funny because being an entrepreneur, like you you in, intentionally think that risk taker pressure. And yes, in certain situations, 100%, you're going to a hardcore negotiation. You have a problem. Yes, you have to be fine under pressure. And I totally am. But when it's like basic stuff of, I just have too much going on, I really dislike that. And so I will intentionally spread it out and just do multiple things per day to be like, I'm fine. It's, it's not a big deal. I, I routinely tell other students when we are in a group project where they're like, Hey, we kind of pushed it off. Let's just pile up at the library and pull an all nighter. I'll go, no, I don't care if it's due tomorrow. I'm not pulling an all nighter. Stanford did a study and proved how that's the worst thing you could ever do to yourself. I'm not going to do it. We'll start this thing three, three days earlier and I'll just get done what I can get done. And then if you guys want to pull an all nighter, that's completely on you. Here's my side. I'm out. So I'm very intentional about my time, how I will spread it out. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird, the context switch I think is the hardest for me, right? Cause you have to switch from business person, entrepreneur to student, which is a really weird thing to do when you're running a company at a, a certain revenue level. It's really uncomfortable and awkward because conversations are different and the way you view things are different. And when students are routinely like, oh, I just couldn't get this done. Here's my excuse. I'm like, dude, I run a company full time. And I got all my stuff done and I have good grades. Like there's, there is no excuse. And I think that's the dichotomy that is hard for me when it comes to allowing myself self care and to, to just take a break and relax and enjoy things a bit is I know what I'm capable of, of achieving and I know where I want to be at relative to where I am. And that's a large gap. So every moment that I'm not like pushing <laughs> to close that gap is a problem mentally. It's like, no, you're being lazy. What's your problem? Right. All this like negative self-talk comes in and it's really interesting. I feel like a lot of people deal with that, but it's not talked about as much. Now you certainly have people that hundred percent, they run a company. It does 200 grand a year. They live off of, you know, half of that. And they're like, Hey, I'm good. Everything's fine. And then you have people that run seven figure companies that pay themselves a decent salary because they're consistently investing back into the company and they're consistently trying to grow it. And they're just, they're not where they want to be at because what they're actually aiming for is eight figures, not seven. And it's hard. It's hard to take a step back, reflect, obviously be grateful 100% because I, I, of course, am incredibly grateful um, and feel lucky. But I know where we're trying to, to fight to get to and it's a big, big gap. And so it's hard to take a week and just be like, yeah, everything's awesome. And it is, by the way, it totally is, <laughs> but like mentally to be like, I'm just going to chill. I'm going to enjoy the quote unquote entrepreneur life, right? I think that's a very difficult thing for, for some of us, not all of us. Some people, like I said, you, you got the gift where you can just chill and I'm so jealous because I can't <laughs> do it. I get so antsy. Like I went on a cruise like two years ago for like three days and could not take my laptop. Sure. It was just like itching. I was like, we need a dock. I need to get back. I need a Starbucks. <laughs> you were like, where's everything at? It's, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I have two things in my head I want to I bring up now. Um, the first one, you were, you were talking about switching, uh, lack of better words, switching off at the end of sure. something, right? And I think, you know, when we, when we first started talking before 
we hit the record button and made this formal, uh, we were talking about working remotely in this, in these current times. Right. And it's easier for some folks than others. And we went some long diatribe and it's most of it's not important, but for me, what I found to be most, what I found works for me is my ability to switch off, right? Like I am here in my office that is also where I do my regular work, my regular day job work. In my mind, I have no problem switching off, so to speak, walking out that door and not thinking about work again until the next day, even though there's literally only a wall or two between me and where I do my work. And I think for some people, that's it's a lot more difficult because when you're in your home, you know, you, the, the, the boundaries kind of start falling away because you don't have that commute anymore. You don't have that ritual that got you set up for doing the day's work. Yeah. Or turning off. I think it's less about the ramping up into your day and more the ramping down back into normal quote unquote life. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Cause then if you're leaving an office for a day, right, that's very intentional, right? You don't, most sane people don't like spending all of their waking hours at the office. So there's a little bit more motivation there. I'm not saying <laughs> we we've established pretty heavily. Now you're not a typical <laughs> episode one. People are like, what is this guy's problem? He's basically a machine, right? Yeah. This is weird. Yeah. No, <laughs> you, you are definitely atypical. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to speak for the common folk here, Dylan, just a little bit anyways. Um, you know, it's, the office is not a place where a lot of people want to spend their time if they don't have to, right? So it's yeah. it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'm done. I'm going home. But when you're already home, this is something that I had to work through in my first my first month and even my first year working remote full-time intentionally. You have to create kind of a separate rituals at home to replicate that. You know, so even though you're not leaving your house, still still get up, take a shower, eat breakfast. Do that morning pre-off to work stuff and then still set those same time deadlines for yourself, right? Like if you left work every day at five or six or whatever that time was, pretend that still exists because if you don't, it's very easy to end up seven, eight, nine o'clock. You realize you're still working and you're putting in way more hours than you actually have to all because you don't have that, that mindset of I don't want to be here longer than I have to. I have to go home now. Since all that's gone and you're already home, subconsciously, you never have those thoughts. You never you never look for that spot to quit. Yeah, I think for me, I've, I've kind of transitioned away from this idea of work-life balance and more work-life integration, which I, I guess is a buzzword now. But, but I mean, it makes sense to me where, as an example, uh, I started around, around 8 o'clock this morning, right? Like normal time. And then... You know, a couple meetings throughout, handling support tickets, um, you know, normal tasks. We're recording this now. And then, I I mean, I technically have class right now, but that's async, so I'm not worried about it. Then I'll eat out. So basically, when me and you are done here, I'm going to have like some me time. But then I'm doing a YouTube live from, I think it's seven to eight. I have to double check, right? So then I have to switch back over. And so for me, I think because I'm more... I would say like public facing in the, in the regard of, I may be on YouTube channels. I may be doing Facebook lives um, with other people. 
and those times are kind of tough, right? We can't do these at like noon, which would be just amazing, by the way. <laughs> we can't. So they're always in the evening. And so I have to be able to kind of switch around. So what's interesting is whenever I'm managing everything, at perfect example, tomorrow's Friday. Um, I'm actually going to be at my girlfriend's house for the weekend. But now I can't Friday, which is totally fine because we're really trying to like address this whole, you know, coronavirus from like a pricing standpoint for, for sellers. And so we're getting in front of that. And so I have a live tonight. I have a live tomorrow. I also have to write a paper, right? So I've like in a given day, I'm going to switch between like three to four different contexts. And so I have to, I try to batch that as much as I can, right? Like I'm not going to do a paper at 11 a.m., just not going to do it. I'm going to push that off so I can at least kind of segment my time. And something that really has helped for like an action item is switching up your physical location. So I started to do this uh, probably like three, maybe four semesters ago when I really need deep work for classes, especially once I got to like the higher level finance classes, which really required a lot um, mentally for me, I would only do that at Starbucks. I don't go to Starbucks for anything else. I don't re work remote from Starbucks. No. Specifically, when I am there, it's only for classes. And so what's great is I can't, well, I can't do that now because Corona, but normally I would segment that out so that it would help me mentally make that context switch. Otherwise, I'm still here. Nothing has really changed. I'm trying to trick my mind to say, now you're a student. Okay, let's forget about business stuff. But then Slack, I get a message in Slack, I get an email, and then you get pulled back into being a business person, not writing the paper. So you intentionally have to add limitations, restrictions, you know, change your location. So if you're in that role, I, I find it it's helpful to do that, right? So if you work from home in your day job, and then you're trying to start something new or grow your business, maybe spin, maybe your routine becomes, if I'm done at five, between 5 and 5.30, I do whatever, something physical potentially, and then I spend 6 to 8 at Starbucks working on that thing. To me, that's helped so much. Um, when you remember to do it? Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, this is like a three-page paper. I can bang this out in 30 minutes. I'm not driving to Starbucks for 30 minutes. But I get what you're saying. You know, You do have to still have those routines because it's very easy to say, well, Technically, I'm going to start working at 8, therefore I'll wake up at 7.45. And you can 100% do that, and a lot of times I certainly do, <laughs> because you know sleep is great. But you, you have to create different types of routines. As an example, it would be very easy for me to just not leave my apartment. Like, like period. We have Shipped, we have Instacart, we have Uber Eats. I, I don't need to leave my apartment. But before I eat lunch every single day, I make sure to go for a walk. One, you know, sunlight's kind of helpful for, for this nerd. So I will certainly do that. But it's just, it's a good, it's a good time to just get out and say, great, middle of the day, awesome. I'm putting some kind of book in somewhere. And I think it's super important. And maybe I should do that also in the evenings. I think that that might help as well. Coming back a bit to how you were talking about going on a cruise, you can't bring your laptop, you can't you know, like it, it's hard to, hard to turn off in that regard. Um, what I'll often do, and you could ask my wife about this. I think she hates it. She doesn't say anything, but I'm pretty sure she hates it. Whenever we go on like a family vacation, 
um, to like lake house, any kind of like vacation spot where you just go to relax and kind of just hang out and not really do a whole hell of a lot. I'll bring my laptop with me and I'll work on side oh, yeah. projects. Like that's, and that's just like what I'm doing. Like last, that's part of that fulfillment, right? Yeah. So I find, you know, you're talking, going to Starbucks, sitting down, doing a paper, right? We're at some random lake house somewhere for some period of time for some reason. I have my laptop and I'm sitting here and I'm banging out this project that I hadn't been able to touch in months because for one reason or another, I didn't find a good spot to do it. And now I've just done all of this stuff at once because there are no other distractions, nothing else. I have no commitments, right? I think that forced disconnection from the majority of reality makes it easy, at least for me anyways, to be able to tackle those kinds of things. And it keeps my mind active. I, I have a hard time just sitting around doing nothing, um, which is weird because I play a lot of video games. I think the mental stimulation there is what draws me in. Right. But like I can't I can't read books for very long because they they will outright make me fall asleep. I can't. Okay. It's not a consumption medium that I can really get into. Um, I'll even take a magazine to bed and I'm done. Right. Like that's, that's it. <laughs> when I lived in California, this was around the time when I started working remotely for the first time, full time, intentionally. I found it incredibly helpful to get up same time every day, right? Part of my morning routine thing. But then I would go for a long walk, maybe hour and a half even, right? For almost a good four miles, right? It wasn't anything intense. Like I wasn't looking to achieve some kind of like exercise goal or anything like that. But it was still – it filled the spot of a commute and allowed me to get into a, a good mindset. And I would use that for like audiobooks and podcasts, things that I would listen to normally on my commute anyways. So I was still able to get that stimulation through a means that worked well for me and get out sunshine, fresh air. You know, in the summertime in California, it's 75 degrees before, you know – before nine o'clock right so the air was nice i didn't have to think about being too cold or too hot or anything of that sort and i found that to be actually really helpful and then once i came back here to washington where the weather sucks most of the year um i for a while i found it hard to keep that routine in the morning because i was missing that that time slot of dedicated mental stimulation where there was nothing else to distract me. It, it it took a bit to manipulate my routine so as that I could find I, – I, I could still build – I more so stumbled into something that worked. Like I still had the podcast and things like that, but it was – it ended up being more condensed because sitting sitting in your apartment on your couch listening to a podcast for an hour just feels weird. I I don't know how people just sit down and listen to podcasts like it's music. Like I can't do that. I have to be in my car or walking. Right. I have to be doing something in order 100%. to to listen to to anybody talk about anything in any context, yeah. fiction or otherwise, right? Audiobooks are the same way. Like when when we travel by car, especially, I'll put my AirPods in and listen to an audiobook and then just tune everyone else out cuz like that's the only way I can do it. You know, the music's yeah. not going to do it for me because it's all repeat, right? Nobody else in the car likes my music, so that's that's out of the question. I, I basically don't listen to audiobooks at all at this point unless we're traveling. Okay. No, no <laughs> I, I, have, I totally get it. I have enough podcasts that fill the the casual 
time slots throughout the day. Yeah. Audiobooks are, to me anyway, it's a lot harder to get in and out of kind of on demand. Sure. You know, because of that, that story continuation, unless you, unless you have a great memory or are listening on a very regular basis, very tight schedule, you know, I'm going to forget what happened. And then I don't have to go back anyways. I'm not going to make any progress. And then I just get bored with it. Right. So I, I, I can relate definitely to needing some kind of forced external stimulation in the form of a routine, whether it's walking, listening to something, socializing with somebody, right? Even if it's just going down to down the street or next door to great coffee every morning, right? Just those regular contacts with other people outside, things that are not in the space that you're always in every day, especially now, which is, I think now it's going to be harder than ever to, to do that in a lot of cases, because you can't now just go to Starbucks and do your paper. They're not going to let you. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. You can still, you know, at least in most States anyways, um, you can still go for a walk by yourself. It's been interesting seeing a lot of people that I know who have regular day jobs who go to an office and that's how they excel. Having to adjust to this new work life integration really where the two the two separate things are now essentially intertwined forcibly and having to adjust on the fly yeah i wouldn't say it's amusing because that, that sets the wrong tone but it it is very interesting it's interesting it's very interesting 100%. seeing how different people are handling it especially if they have kids yeah you know you and i we we aren't around kids every day all day i don't have any kids at all I know you come into contact with kids more than I do, but I see I see people I know, especially with kids who are now around them all the time, trying to manage some some semblance of homeschooling and their job. I I, I give them the biggest props for even mustering just the minimal effort to to make that happen. Like that's that's definitely more than I would be able to tackle because I am. Yeah, very... I'm not strong enough. I'm just gonna say that now. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. I'm very one track. Um, I, I will lose my train of thought if something even remotely distracts me. You you were you were actually diagnosed with those kinds of things. I don't I don't know if that's if that's typical or if that's just a thing that just happens to some people. I don't I won't even begin to to claim I know anything about that. But it is a thing that if like I'm looking at you right now, if something crossed my field of vision, that would grab my attention away. And I would probably <laughs> stop talking. Like that's that's the level that we're at. So having other people around that I wouldn't be used to, I think would drive me insane. Yeah. So I, those who are working in studios right now, like studio apartments with their significant other, you know, I heard a story this morning from somebody that I know that lives with their husband in a studio apartment. It's like 400 feet and they're both on the phone all day as part of their job. Oh, that's rough. (laughs) Noise canceling headphones. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like that's, I don't even know if that would be enough at that point, you know? Yeah. And it's funny cause I, so, I mean, I, I technically live alone, but, um, my girlfriend just got sit home to work remotely in where she lives. That's just not going to work. So I was like, Hey, just set up here. The only place, cause she's in medical. So based off, I guess HIPAA, she has to plug in through like a hardware VPN setup through the modem, blah, blah, blah. So we actually like had to set her up a mini office, like an actual, not like a lot, lot, uh, a laptop, a laptop, like an actual 
like computer, dual monitors, like everything, which is set up. I'm going to send you a picture after this because the cable management already makes me want to throw up because like, I'm not going to cable manage it for like two weeks <laughs> um, because I'm that OCD. But yeah, it's, it's definitely different. Luckily, it's it's been good because um, she has to be on the phone sometimes too. And I am as well. But luckily, there's there's a wall, which is nice. But I, I think if we can kind of get back, because there's, there's two things I definitely want to say on on dealing with burnout that I think have helped me quite a bit and I've heard mentioned quite a lot and they're counterintuitive of each other or they're counter, should I say, of each other. One is the one you were just talking about, which is like set a routine, follow a routine, get used to that, make that similar to what you were doing before. But number two, and this is a big one that I kind of alluded to, add some variety as in change things up. So I work remotely. Our company is completely remote, but James, my co-founder, actually has like an, a dedicated office like place. We just have like a room in his building, and that's our technical office. Well, he's in Massachusetts. They just declared full lockdown. Sorry, you're not going to the office. Take your stuff. Take it home. So he was completely freaked out. Like, I guess I have to learn how to work from home now. This is weird because he's not really had to do that in a long period of time. The amount of code pushes he's pushed out this week is astounding. And he was even uh, sending me messages in Slack saying how just that change of environment while he's working added a lot of creativity and kind of pulled him out of a routine. So sometimes you don't have a routine and you need one. Other times you're in a routine and it's really sluggish and it's kind of boring Great. That's when you go spend trying to work from Starbucks for an entire week and just see if you like it. That's when you go somewhere else and just say, I'm going to get an Airbnb for two weeks because I have this huge project and I'm just going to work on it from that Airbnb for a week, two weeks, whatever. It allows your brain to have some new novelty, which leads to creativity, which leads theoretically to productivity. That can work really well. So for me, I'm decent with routines. I mean, I'm relatively OCD myself just as a human, but when I take myself out of my normal environment, but still have the buffer, still have the time to get deep work done, I do really, really well. Mm -hmm. So two options for you there, depending on where you're at. So if you don't have a routine, get one, set one and follow it so that you can have this transitionary period where like it, it becomes more comfortable and you know, like when you're working, when you're not working, when you're you know, helping, you know, your spouse with things versus at the office, quote unquote. And if you already have a routine and you're still feeling burnt out, try something new. I know it's hard right now, depending on when this episode's coming out with the whole virus situation. But once that's done, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> like, <laughs> Go work at an airport. Not even kidding. Just walk into an airport with your laptop and just work there at like the coffee shop in the airport. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. You won't. You definitely won't look out of plates there. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>